Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight we have Liam and Sean. How are you Liam? Yep, good thanks Jared. Um, it's uh, <laughs> pretty cold up here in Japan and uh, hello to uh, anybody who hasn't heard of, heard us uh, before on this uh, weekend event. Great pleasure to be here for a great cause and uh, looking forward to having some good Celtic chat. And how are you Sean? Uh- yeah, I was sweating my nips off today. I was out in the it's in the mid thirties here. Uh, I was out at the park with my daughter at a Perth Celtic Supporters Club event. Uh, we had the sausage sizzle on, as you they call it over here. Uh, so it was a good day. Yeah. Yeah, there was some nice pictures put up in their um, in their CSC's Facebook group. So if anyone wants to check that out, have a look at the Perth Celtic Supporters Group Club on uh, Facebook. Good cause, everyone out there and. Talk about a good cause, this uh, charity weekender, raising money for St Mary's. Um, thanks again to Paul and the Axon team for having us on. It's the second year in a row and happy to be on and do our part. So um, if you haven't donated and you can, please do so. So what we'll do is um, there's been, since our last podcast, so we normally record, for those who haven't listened in, as Liam touched on, we normally have a podcast out most pretty much every Wednesday. So what we, we skipped that so that we could put this week's podcast today. So since our last pod, there was a Celtic played by Leverkusen, had a 3-2 loss, we had a 2-1 win against Aberdeen, and then we had a 1-0 win against Hearts. So we won't really touch on Leverkusen and the Aberdeen result because pretty much everyone's done that to death already. So we'll talk about the Hearts game. So Sean, do you want to give your rundown on the 1-0 win against Hearts? Point out anything that you found interesting or saw from the game, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah, lots of things. Um, obviously, the thing, three points is outstanding. Uh, the crowd sounded quite good. They sounded like they were really engaged in it and, and recognised the importance of it. You know, uh, second versus third. We're with us sitting in third before the game. So we've taken that, that step on Hearts now. Um, Hearts were doing the usual shite, putting the boot in early. Bobby Madden letting them away with it. Um, usual gamesmanship crap as well. Stuff like Robbie Nielsen kicking the ball away from stoppers taking a quick throw in, all that sort of thing. But we were something that stood out early in the game was that we were absolutely frantic. Like the players were at stupid pace. Like the uh, I wasn't even watching the Celtic TV broadcast. I was watching the the KO one, which I think comes off Sky. Uh, and like they couldn't even get the the replays in. Like they were cutting to a replay and then cutting off before they even got to it because like, Celtic were taking the corners so quickly or throwing so quickly. Uh, so it, it kind of felt almost inevitable that somebody was going to pull a hamstring. Uh, and yeah, there was Jota going off at the same time as Stephen Welsh, um, putting us down to well, why did you know, why is near Beaton coming on at centre back and not Liam Scales? I don't know. But that, that's what it is. And, and I think our two centre-backs are actually having a great game, uh, defence-wise. But one thing that still drives me nuts is having Starfelt, who cannot use his left foot in any way, shape, or form, over on the left of the two centre-backs. Like, it just slows the game down in possession. Like, seriously slows it down. Uh, yeah, a, a few more things. Do you guys want to come in before I go on to those? Um, no, I was just going to say that it was... Um... It was a good a good win in a difficult circumstance. That taking the Hearts game and the Aberdeen game together, I really like the fact that Celtic are in a position now where we can not play particularly well and still get the win, which is a big step up from last season when I reckon we would have either drawn or lost possibly both of those games at this point last season. Um, the progress is clearly there to see that Ange has got us playing really fantastic football, but he's also got us grinding out results where we have to as well. And that's, you need both of those elements to win a championship. Well, touching on what you just said there, Liam, and what Sean said earlier, it was frantic pace early, but we got that goal. And then you're saying Ange's team's grinding out results. The game slowed down in the second half. So that's, to me, that's a perfect summary of what the two of you have just said there. It was flat out early on, but then it would slow down. And Sean, where you said, why did Bitton come on instead of Scales? Well, Scales wasn't on the bench. So there's your answer. No, I know. I mean, why Scales <laughs> not on the bench, I guess, is yeah, I the extension of that question. Exactly. But, yeah, it's um, it was a it was a weird game for me. Like, I thought 
it was I wasn't sure if I was watching football or rugby, but didn't expect any different there. Um, anyone who listened to the um, after match live one from Paul and Laura on Axon Channel, they would have seen Paul. He, he made a really good point about it's not a conspiracy, it's actually poor refereeing. The fact that yeah. there were so many fouls, and it was the same in the Livingston game where we have so much possession, the foul count is all over the place, and they get and the only booking of the game I think was Montgomery off the top of my head if I if I remember right. Yet they had yeah, seven fouls to half time. Like that was absolutely shambolic refereeing. But yeah, back to what you were gonna. You had a few more things you wanted to say, Sean. Yeah, well, talking about the bookings, there was one where the boy went through the back of. Um... God, who even was it? Was it Juranovic? I can't remember now. But it's just like tackle from a slide tackle from behind. And it's like, yep, just free kick. It's the talking you know. to. And then like, we were actually a little bit lucky uh, to not concede a goal in the second half. Um, yeah, they should have scored from that free header. That was the one standout piece of poor defending in the whole game. Was that that guy just got a free run, Stephen Kingsley, and then just fluffed it. Um, and then... The one where Montgomery gets fouled and they almost score in the counter attack. That was again that was the worst decision of all uh, from the referee. But I actually felt like even the goal, I thought it was offside. I don't know what you guys thought. Um first look, I yeah, I agree it. with you. Second yeah. second and third look, I still thought it was offside. But there was enough like if seed of doubt there in that depends on the camera angle. If you had, mm-hmm. like, if you had VAR set up, like a lot of people are talking about, where they have cameras on the posts, they have cameras in the corners, they have them along the sideline. If they had that, and they had, they were able to look at the one from the corner, it'll look on side by mile. So it all depends on camera angle. Hmm. Yeah, but you've also got the lines on the pitch. Yeah, but yeah. I actually felt, I felt like even before that goal, there was a couple of marginal ones that the lines from hadn't flagged. So I actually felt we were getting the benefit of the doubt before that, which is interesting because we've got Kyogo who's always playing like, you know, they're playing, that's the system we're playing. And the reason why Robbie Keane uh, left and didn't come back was because he was getting flagged for them. So it's like... That's Andrew's system. The striker's always offside. You go, they get offside behind the centre-backs, the ball goes wide. Then if the winger or the fullback in this instance cuts the ball back, plays him back onside, there's no defenders there to stop him tapping it in. The guy Bessart Barisha in the A-League made a career out of that at Brisbane Roar under Ange. So exactly what we're seeing now, except Kyogo's a hell of a lot better. Yeah, I think I'd like to see us go to the system that they do in most major leagues now, which is uh, the officials let it play out and then, like, you know, and then they'll flag it or go to VR or whatever at that point. If it's obvious, they flag it. But if it's touch and go, they'll play the advantage, see what happens, and then they'll go and review it. They pretty much let everything go to as far as it is, unless it's like literally meters. Like if it's like if there's clear daylight, they'll flag it. But otherwise, like they pretty much they let a lot go now, even if it seems really obvious. Um, what was the game I was watching? I can't remember now. But I was like, the guy was like, there wasn't clear daylight, but he was pretty clearly offside, and they let it play out. I was like, yeah. The the funny um, thing, Sean, though, is it gives us guys on podcasts and people in the office around the water cooler, it gives them something to talk about. That's the one yeah. thing with football that referees and the decisions that your team gets and doesn't get has always been there. That's yeah. the one thing. And even VAR doesn't change that because we've got it over here in Australia in the A-League. And the VAR over here, it doesn't matter that you've got it it's how it's implemented. And if you've got like incompetent referees on the pitch and up in the VAR box reviewing things like you currently have at the moment, then it's not going to make much difference. If you've got Bobby Madden on the pitch, but then you've got, I don't know, Willie Collum in the box, for instance, how do you think that's going to play out? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing I've always said about VAR, which, you know... I've, I've had you know debates with people about this online, particularly amongst Scottish football fans where we don't have VAR yet. You know, it's not this magical silver bullet that's going to cure the, depending on whether you perceive it as incompetence or corruption amongst referees in Scotland. I personally think it might be a bit of both, but 
Um, the fact is, if you if they are still adjudicating that, they're the ones that decide when do you consult VAR. They're the ones on the VAR monitors. Um, the problem is the people. It's not the the technology. Giving those same people new technology is not going to make them any more competent. You know, if I'm computer illiterate, giving me a brand new Mac isn't going to suddenly make me magically computer literate. You know, well, and if you're a bad referee, giving you a VAR screen is not going to make you a better referee. I just want to touch on something Cal said in the comments where they've gone, shows you how far behind Scottish football is when the Australian League has VAR before us. Now, mm, that comment, <laughs> we were, Australia was actually the test league from FIFA yeah. for VAR. So we actually had it before it was even rolled out anywhere. So yeah. we've had VAR over here now, I think, for what, a good five years plus. So, yeah, somewhat, yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting yeah. just to see the, the way it's evolved and everything. The first two years it was out here, it was an absolute nightmare. So if Scotland had the same system that we had when it was first implemented here in Australia, I'd rather keep the, the status, quo, status quo. Yeah, we were definitely ironing out the kinks there, weren't we, down here? Oh, useless. I mean, that's <laughs> the other thing about it, though. It's like it's inevitably going to come to Scottish football. It's a question of when, but... I actually kind of like the fact that, you know, in England for about the first 18 months, fans were complaining about it every week. But now that it's been streamlined and refined, it's actually a much better, smoother, less disruptive process. And people are used to it in the LAM too. Aye, and you get used to it. And I think that with, we're we're not going to get, you know, Scotland isn't going to get the same VAR that Australia got five years ago. We're going to get this, hopefully, the refined VAR that's now operating in most of the major European leagues. I think when um, whenever Sevco have a game with VAR, they'll probably have like a audiovisual technician up there so that he can be doctoring, <laughs> doctoring footage and live. Kevin yeah. Graham yeah. said in the comments, in Scotland it'll be visual assistance for Rangers. <laughs> Great call, Kevin. Love it. Yeah, so any anything about the game you wanted to still touch on, Sean? Yeah. Yeah, no, um, there was, sorry, yeah, uh, I was just going to call back to the first Hearts game. Mm. I actually watched, like, rewatched it, um, the highlights, and a couple of things that jumped out at me was, if you, if you get a chance, you should go back and watch it, the one we lost at Tynecastle in July. Um, the goal, we can see that the start to go 1-0 down is, oh, man, like, it is unrecognisable. Uh, from the team that we see just now. And that was the biggest thing to me. He was like, wait, how many months ago was this? This is like a different team. And it was like four months ago or whatever. Like, I, I, I can't even, honestly, you need to watch it. Sean, uh, you've actually then, touched on what I was going to say next anyway there, but keep going and we'll uh, loop yeah. on back to and it. Anyway, the, the, the other thing I was going to say is if, you, if you're in a VAR system, then we go 2-1 up in that game. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Aye. And then and Robbie Newton didn't come out after the game and credit the the officials with his victory for that game. So two things on there. First thing, Robbie Nelson, at his age, with that haircut, mate, just give it a rest. Second of, <laughs> second of all, yeah, you're spot on there. It's like we had one taken off us that was onside. We had one that could have been offside given for us this one. Swings and roundabouts, basically. It's the end of the day. It's evened out. So I'll look at it and go, eh, whatever. That's it's all plays out, they say, over the course of a season. That's the first time in my life being a Celtic fan I can remember it actually has played out in the same season. So, yeah, but but what we're saying before, Sean, where you were saying about if you watch the first Hearts game comparing it to now, I was on the Friday Borden with Axel, not this Friday last week, and it's something that me, Tony, and Laura discussed on there was how do we think Angie's team is compared to where I thought it would be. And I said we're ahead of schedule. Like what I thought, the way we're playing now is what I probably would have expected to see maybe in April. That's where I think in terms of the way we're going forward attacking and the way that it's all played out. We still need to strengthen the back line and get maybe another defensive midfielder in, another striker as well. But that's going to play out over time and over transfer windows. But as you were saying, Sean, Watch the first Hearts game to this one, and it ties in perfect with that. I think we're ahead of schedule, and I'm happy to say that. Yeah, I, I when Ange came in, my biggest worry was that he wouldn't be given time 
to get the results needed to satisfy the, the wider support. But, you know, if you'd, if you'd have said to me after that Hearts game in, in July, OK, we're going to get to December and we're only going to be four points behind Rangers and we'll have, you know, played some really good football, I'd be like, aye, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. And, we, you know, we're going to finish third in a very tough European group with, like, with three teams that were all, you know, probably at the start of the season were not expected to beat. Um, I think, yeah, it, considering he's only had one window to bring in his own players and shape his own team, the transformation is incredible. It really is. Did you see um, he called out Mikey and Abada specifically yesterday? All right. No, I didn't see that. So is everyone else yeah. in, in the comments, mate. <laughs> no, I meant Andrew Postacoglu. <laughs> yeah, I know what you meant. I was just having a laugh there, yeah. Sean. <laughs> he specifically called those two out, saying like, "Oh, well, this is why they're here. They're they're here to play games, so they need to step up, and this is their chance when they get it." You know, I agree with him on that. Like, Mike, let's be honest with Mikey. If he was offered Hibs, tearing the league up, doing well, doing what Martin Boyle's doing, right? Or even at, giving us those twenty-minute bursts in the same way Doidge did last season, or Doig did last season, there, we'd be linked to him. He'd be like, oh, he's one of the best up-and-coming young talents in Scotland. Celtic, when's he going to be at Celtic or Rangers? That's what we've seen. I've seen it my whole life. But because he's one of our young kids coming through, everyone's on his back. But he's at that age now. Yes, he's had injuries, but the time is now. He's got to step it up. Because otherwise, he's basically teetering at the same place in Ronnie's last year where Jamesy e. Forrest was. Where if he left the club at that point, a lot of fans would have been like, oh, well, we're not going to miss Forrest, but look at what he's gone on and done for us the last five years. So I think Mikey's at that same crossroads at the moment. He needs a run of games, oh. but he's got to do something. Where Ralston was six months ago. Exactly. And yeah, no, I mean, don't think anyone doubts that Mikey Johnson's got talent. It's, but there's more to football than talent, isn't there? Uh, the best kind of ability is availability. And, you know. Well, let's be honest. <laughs> Um, Lewis Morgan had talent, but he didn't do it in the Celtic shirt. He did it at St. Mirren. He did it at Sunderland. Didn't do it with us. He's doing it in America. Players have got their level. Where's Mikey's level? We've got a... He needs a few games for us to give him a run of games, especially with Jotter out. He's going to have to step it up. But at the same time, is this his level? Can he cut it at Celtic? Now is the time to make yeah. make a, a stand and prove his spot. Hmm. And even if he moves on he's like a £3 million player so for someone that you paid nothing for the academy producing players worth millions of pounds is like if you're submitting you're saying that's you know you're absolutely buzzing about that so um, yeah even if these players are not going to be ripping the league up you still want to be producing players that are going to do something at some level and bring something back to the academy financially that is one thing Ange is good at. He does bring through players. So I'm looking at it going, there's so many young guys in the squad at the moment that, okay, they may not be starters now, but if you've, if over the next few years, is Welsh going to cut it? Is Mikey going to cut it? Is, I'm scoring mental blank here. There's a couple other defenders. Monty, who was the other young centre-back that played against um, Mitchelland? I've gone blank there on the name. Uh, Dane, Dane Murray. Dane Murray, that's the one. Are these guys going to progress over the next few years? Now, if Andrew's at the club three, four years' time still, which I'm hoping he is, and things are going great, and we're like, you know, on our way to three or four in a row or whatever we are at that point, if we get to that what, that point, these guys need to be either regulars or have gone out on loan a few things, doing the Ryan Christie path to come back and be ready to jump straight in and not lock themselves down a spot. Yeah, Dane Murray needs a year at Falkirk or Kilmarnock and then uh, then a year at Aberdeen and then that's surely he's got to be first team ready after that. I mean, the guy's a Scotland under-21 international. Yeah, so. yeah I mean, the, particularly the case of Mikey Johnson, if we um, if we do sign one of the, uh, the, uh, the Japanese players that we've been linked with, which we'll come to in a wee minute, um... He is, in my opinion, just a better version of Mikey Johnson. So I think Johnson's time's up if we sign the player in question. 
What about age? Age for age, is he better? Well, how old is Johnson now? Is he 22? I believe. 22, 23. Right. right, well, my age is 24, so there's not there's nothing in it, really. There you go, then. Okay, that answers that question. Aye. So then we'll jump to that now, Liam, then. So mm. we had um on the run sheet, we had Daz and Maeda. The latest update is apparently it's going to be about a £3 million transfer. And yeah. also Rio Hatate, um transfer is pretty much done, according to all reports. I've mm. seen the figure for him at about £2 million. Listed two yeah. two and a half million. What are you seeing over in Japan? Because that's where you're based. So that's a man in Japan. What what do you got on the go? Right. Okay. It's interesting because looking at where Celtic need to strengthen at the moment, I think Hatate is a more useful player for us. But Maeda, having seen him in the flesh, because he used to play for my local team over here, is a guy that excites me more as a as a player. He's more of a if you want to use the cliche, a guy who plays the Celtic way, you know. Um, Hatate, left-sided, has played left-back for most of this season in winning the, the league with Kawasaki Frontale. Although that's not his natural position. He's naturally a midfielder. But he has, has done really well at left-back. So we can put him in at left-back. We can put him in. He could also play that defensive midfield role that we were talking about. He's actually quite good going forward as well when he when he wants to, um, and uh, yeah, he's very versatile. And I think versatility is something that that we need a lot of because we have we don't have that many players at the moment who can switch. I mean, Beaton is the only one really who's played multiple positions this season, and we know he's not a central defender. He never will be, but he tries. He tries his best, you know. But. Um, yeah, so Hatate is going to be a more, probably a more beneficial acquisition, but I think Maeda is the one that would get fans more excited. He is, um, he's well, he can play centre-forward, he can play left-wing, right-wing. Um, when I saw him play, he played for quite a small team here called Matsumoto Yamaga, who are now, actually just last week, got relegated to the third division um, in Japan. They were in the top league when when I saw him when I saw Maeda play for them two years ago, um, and pretty much after he left, everything imploded and they got relegated and then they got relegated again. So so they've done a Sunderland, um, and but the yeah, one thing about them, much. Liam, what what uniform yeah. did he wear there? At that time, Matsumoto's home jersey was the green and white hoops, and Maeda looks good in them. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> One thing that you're talking about there that's interesting is talking about Hitati playing out of position. Mm. And, and was you saying Maeda plays everywhere as well. Uh, yeah. Interesting parallel with Kyogo, who was mm. playing, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe he was playing left wing uh, for Yokohama. Uh, sorry. For Vissel Kobe. Yeah. Kobe. Uh, and then, but despite playing left wing and all his YouTube highlights being left wing, Postacoglu actually identified him as a striker and mm. signed him. And put him up front, uh, you know, notwithstanding Ibrooks. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, it's something of a it's something of a common trait amongst a lot of Japanese footballers, um, and Japanese athletes in general. Actually, is like something that's really drilled into you from a very young age. Because I work in public schools in Japan, so I see how kids are taught, you know, sports and other subjects, and versatility is something that they put into you from a very young age. It's like you play whatever the team needs you to play. It's not about you, it's about the team. And so a lot of these Japanese players, they they actually get recruited into their into the J League teams directly from high school. They go from high school directly into the teams. It's like a sort of a feeder system. And usually they carry forward that that idea of like, okay, I'm not just a left a left winger. I've got to sometimes I've got to be a left back. Sometimes I've got to be centre mid. Sometimes I've got to be a striker. It's whatever the team needs me this week. And Maeda embodies that. Kyogo embodies that, and Hatate especially embodies that. So uh, yeah, and I I totally great. I guess to part B of the point there was that uh, yeah. I'm also praising Ange for being able to recognise. Uh, a player's actual st- strongest position, even when they're yeah. not playing there. Uh, yeah. And like some of the talk is about Hitati coming in as a centre mid, and 
you know, look at how well Nier Bitton's done in the last six weeks, you know, after mm-hmm. he's been shunted forward and stuff like that, you know. I yeah. actually don't mind Nier Bitton at, at central mid because of his height. Yeah. Like, the one the one concern I've got with a Hatate coming in if he's, a, if he's a defensive midfielder and plays in the sixth role is his height. Like, I've been saying for ages, look at us against your Aberdeens and particularly against Rangers, we seem really small and light on in the middle of the park. So if we're going to get a defensive midfield, I actually would like a Victor Wanyama type, someone who's a bit more stockier and filled out or a bit taller. But if Atare can do the job there, I'm still happy for him to come in. But what are you going to say, Liam? Um, my response, well, I'll, I'll come back to what I was going to say in a second, but my response to that would just be, well, how tall is Scott Brown? You know, um, sorry, I, I'm being a bit... A bit or, facetious or, there, but, but or basically, Claude or I, I, um, if you've got the ability, um, I don't think height is as big an issue as it used to be, or as big an obstacle as it used to be. And Japanese, the way Japanese football has progressed, and the way you see Japan competing when they play at the World Cup now, it shows you that that the, the fact that they are physically smaller than Europeans most of the time doesn't actually hold them back to the extent that it used to. But um, what I was going to say to, to, to comment on what you said, Sean, about Ange picking out Kyogo as a, as a centre-forward despite him not playing centre-forward, I am really intrigued to see, if we do sign Maeda and Hatate, to see where they are deployed and where they fit. Because I'm obviously Ange knows something I don't, but I'm at a bit of a loss as to how Kyogo and Maeda are going to play in the same team because they're very, very similar players. Well, I've got something yeah. in front of me here, Liam, which... I saw online, I can't remember, I think it was one of the red tops. Don't don't come at me in the comments, everyone. But it was how Celtic could line up with Atate and Maeda. And the lineup right. they gave us was Joe Harding goals, Juranovic at right back, Carter Vickers, Julian if he's back, otherwise Starfeld at left back, Hatate, I mean left centre back, and then Hatate at left back. Midfield of Rogic Turnbull McGregor, Jota playing left, Kyogo in the middle, Maeda out right on the on the right. Now, that's how they've said it. And if you're going to do that, Jota and Maeda can just switch wings and go the old Neil Lennon tactic, switch the wingers. And it would work anyway because everyone's versatile at the front. But that's what they're showing online as a possible. Now, So we're saying Forrest is bombed out. Forrest is out and so is uh, Ralston. But yeah, on the on those two setters that Forrest missed at the weekend, can you imagine if that had been Leal Abada? Oh, it's, those two. you're hearing about he it. He would have got it tight. Yeah, <laughs> he would have got it tight. But yeah, so Forrest has struggled to come back into the team. But I think, look at the goal he scored in the semi-final. I, I, can you, could you really have Forrest out of the team? I'm not sure. Uh, I think Forrest, just my opinion, I think Forrest is a good guy to have on the, on the bench. I think he's a good impact player. All right, um, we're talking about the um, injuries and everything early on, right? And mm. players dropping out now and guys coming back in and all that sort of stuff. And you look at our bench against Hearts, for instance, right? I'm just getting that up now. Our bench, Biton, Ayeti, Abada, McCarthy, Johnson, Bain, Montgomery. So I look at that and go, all right, if you've got... Or say a barter on the bench and you've got Forrest on the bench, or if you've got Maeda on the bench, or you've got options. Realistically, a Jetty would then drop out of the squad. Great, fine, that's good. But then it would at least give us some options and game changes off the bench, which is what we we don't really have at the moment, especially with the current injuries. Jota goes out, you start Mikey. What options do you have? Who's going to come off the bench and change things for you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we don't have much. To, yeah. I guess the answer is, is there's no one. Um, yeah. All right. And look, there are two of our best players this year, are both not even our players. They're both loan players. So that's also a concern. Uh, and some of the numbers are getting bounced about say that it's going to be the vast majority of our transfer budget. Try to get those two to stay. Well, you've just touched on the next topic I was going to throw to you there, Sean. It's a perfect little segue. Good job. <laughs> so, yeah, Cameron Carter-Vickers. 
It said that he's he said that he's keen on a permanent transfer to Celtic. All along the talk was oh, a million, one and a half million, maybe two million. Yeah. And all of a sudden it comes out that it's a ten million pound transfer, which is more than our club yeah. record. Are you having a laugh? Like if it was Where did that come from? I don't know. It was, it was reported everywhere. Earlier yeah, in the I don't week. know how they it's so random. Like, how how would it so wrong before or now? What yeah, I know. Is, do you know what I mean? I look at it and go, six and a half million for Jota. Great. Okay, do it. Because if we've got the option, sign him up. And even if we do a Jack Hendry, sign him and flip him and sell him for 13, 14 million to one of those other clubs that's apparently rumoured to like him. It's great business for the club, as much as I'd want him to stay. But 10 million for Carter Vickers, yeah, he's what, 23 or something like that. You'd have him for a few years, but... I think he's good in our league in Europe. There's still question marks there for him. And I wouldn't spend ten million on him. Like if we had to, if we're paying six million for him and then with add ons based on performances, league titles, um, number of appearances, all that sort of stuff, it eventually got up to ten. Fine, I could I could consider that. But when we're talking about Maeda for three million, Hatade for two million why would you spend $10 million on a centre-back? I'm sure you could go and get Ko Itakura, who's on loan this season, out of contract from Man City at the end of the season. You can get him on a free and he's a left-sided centre-back. I know you're a fan of that idea, Liam, but I wouldn't yeah. spend $10 million on Carter Vickers if you can fix the problem of balancing our centre-backs. Get Itakura in, join our Japanese crew over in, over in the east end of Glasgow, and then you can move staff out over to the right centre back spot, which fixes your concern, Sean. So there's options there, but to ten million, nah. See the thing about this ten million thing, right? Now, I'm just gonna. This is just my my take on it. I could be completely wrong, but when I used to work with the newspapers, the way it would work is that a player would come out and say he's interested in a permanent move, and then. A day or two later, the totally outrageous figure comes out because the, the club now know that, they, that there's a potential for a deal to be done there, right? And I think that's what this is. I think Carter Vickers has been genuine when he says like he loves being at Celtic and would like to make a permanent move. I can understand it. And I'd, I'd love to have him. I think he's... Same here. I'm exactly, I um, agree with you. But I, but, I don't, but I don't love him to the extent that I'd give £10 million for him. Exactly. Um, but I think the £10 million figure is just... Uh, that that is just wild. Like you know, look, he's not worth ten million. How about five million? And then they're like, no, 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 no. We want seven, and it will start a kind of bidding war. We'll probably end up if we do sign him. It probably be for something about three or four million. I would guess. I've got a weird, weird theory on this, Liam. You want to know what it is? Mm-hmm. What's that? Suddenly, if Carter if Carter Vickers is worth ten million pound. That number's being thrown around so the papers can then report that Connor Goldson's going to be sold for the same money. <laughs> that's what my theory is on it. I think that's not a wild theory. Do you know, that's, that actually, knowing the way the Scottish press works, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. So, so here's a here's a quick question. Uh, say Carter Vickers was our player, right? Whether we mm. signed them from Hibs or through the academy, whatever. Say he yeah. was our player, putting in these performances and... Bournemouth or whoever come in for him uh, in January or at the end of the season, how much would you be thinking he's worth going in the other direction? I'd say Julian money, six, seven million. Honestly, would you not be saying north of 10? You know why I'm saying that? Because I'm being realistic and knowing off the back of COVID where there's been a lot of clubs don't have money, Mm. but that's what we'd get. We'd get realistically... Depends on the length of his contract, first of all, but he's the age profile. If he had one or two years left on his deal, we'd probably only get Stewie Armstrong money. That's it. Because honestly, I'd be saying 11, 12. That's what I'd be saying. So I, I agree with you that 10 is outside our price range, but if it was another direction, I'd be saying more than 10. So, yeah. And look, the guy's no use Aye. to Tottenham. He's not going to get a game for Tottenham, so that's what makes the difference here, is he's a more valuable player to us than he is to Tottenham. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And on, on the subject of Jota, uh, one of my friends down here, he's a, he's an Inter Milan fan. He's also Australian uh, and an Andrew Postacoglu fan, so he started watching Celtic this year. So I was chatting to him the other day, and I said, oh, we've got a boy here that 
you could do with the Inter Milan? And he goes, oh, you mean Jota? And I'm like, oh. So he, like, he knew he, like, straight away that was the player he went to. He knows who I'm talking about. Like, So if we can get Jota for six and a half million, even if it is just a uh, the Jack Henry thing where, oh yeah, if a Champions League team comes in, we'll let you go for 12. Fine. I'd rather he stayed, obviously, but uh, if we can flip a profit, do the Jack Henry thing. Well, I can tell you as well, I've got a mate who's a Dortmund fan and they're talking about him on all their social media pages too after what he was like against Leverkusen. So mm-hmm. German clubs are going to start looking at him too. So I'd love to keep Jota long-term for two, three seasons or whatever, sign him permanently and keep him for another two years and then sell him on. But realistically, I think he could be the sort that we do a Jack Hendry, sign him and flip him. Aye. Yep. And then May 8, Aye, we sign May 8. If that 6 million fees being agreed, we could double that overnight. I think for Jota, and then you look yeah, at definitely. you look at Maeda. You sign him; he can play on that left wing to to fill his spot next season. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Speaking about signing players, somebody in the comments, Ed Janouskis, is talking about John Suter. That was one that I wanted to talk about. I actually mm-hmm. thought the two the two heart centre backs were both amazing on Wednesday night. I thought we've struggled. Um, any team in the league really struggled to break. Excuse me. Any team in the league has struggled to get past them, and uh, given that he's a free, I'd be having him in, in January for whatever Hearts want. If it's up to a million, no, do you know what, even if it's more than a million, I'd be taking him. I think John Suter's an excellent player. Uh, I think Halkett is a good player. I think those two centre backs. I mean, look, I thought our two centre backs were great on Wednesday as well, but I think those two are really good as well, and I'd be looking at them as potential signings. Here's a thought then. How about we? Sign Suda and then loan him Murray to get him games. Oh, that would be ideal. That'd tick all that'd the boxes. Yep. Yeah. No, that'd be ideal for me. I, I really do like John Suter. He's a ball player as well as a good defender. There was one tackle. I'm actually not sure if it was Suter or Rogic, but there was one where um, Rogic got played in and he took an amazing first touch to basically put himself through and goal. And then whichever heart centre back it was, just like. Got a, got a foot in from nowhere, from about 10, 10 yards away. I don't know how he did it. Like, it was one of the best tackles I've ever seen. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? It was first half, and it came from the left wing. Okay, it must have been Jota. Played him mm-hmm. in, and he just takes this great first touch, and the heart centre-back is way behind and just somehow manages to get his foot in the ball. Anyway, yeah, it really stood out for me in the game. I had a slight issue. It's called work Christmas party last night after the game, so I'm kind of like a little dusty on it. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah. Um, yeah, John Curry has said, I'd be concerned about Suda's injury record. That is um, a concern, though. No. No. He's, well, he's he seems to be over it this year. Yeah. Like, realistically, we've got guys like Mikey Johnson's got an injury record that probably matches. Let's be honest. Mm. So, also, Achilles is not the sort of thing you usually do twice. You do one, you do the other, you're good as gold. But that's that. I mean, uh, yeah, he, he did the two of them, but like, you don't normally, it's, it's not like a knee. It doesn't normally go again, if you know what I mean. Uh, if it had been like his cruciate or something, I'd have been like, I uh, don't know. But like you said, Achilles injury is one that usually heals back stronger. So. Um, I'm, not, I'm not even sure if it heals back stronger so much as they just staple it onto your bone or whatever, so it can't snap again. The, the, the sorry, what, what I mean is, like, it's it's not one of those ones that's going to keep coming back again and again, is it? You know? No, not usually. No. Yeah. So, you've got anything else? Any other things you want to add to the card of Vickers or any other centre-backs you reckon we should be looking at? Is there anyone in Japan, Liam? No, not at the moment. Big strapping centre halves are a bit thin on the ground here, as you might imagine. Not even any crazy um, Serbs over there, or you know, any Norwegians and Swedish guys over there, or anything like that. No Brazilians. Not, not, not at the moment. No, I mean the thing is that the the Japanese league is uh, it just finished. Well, the, the 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 championship just finished last week, and the the cup is now being played out. So we're in the the kind of last stretches of the, the season. So any Japanese players that we're linked with now, 
if we're going to sign any, those will be the ones that we're going to sign. I don't think any anyone else is going to emerge in the last two weeks of the season, you know. Yeah, there's no no big centre-backs over here. I think it cut it at Celtic. I keep bringing nah. him up, though. Trent Sainsbury, get him in. Nah, the Australian League is the best team would be would probably beat Hearts, but would lose to Celtic or Rangers. And then the worst team would be oh, Falkirk level. And that's all in the top flight. Yep. So there's not much to pick from over here. Yep. Exactly. I've always said, like, the, the top four or five teams over here would probably be anywhere from, say, fourth down in the Scottish League. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah and, the, yeah, and the young players get picked off pretty quickly as well. Uh, we had that, that winger. Uh, oh, I forgot his name now, but he went off to Germany, uh, the one at Perth. Oh, my God, his name's gone out of my head now. Italiano, was it? it. Uh, Italiano, yeah, Jacob Italiano. He could actually make it, but, you know, he's in the, the Perth Glory team at 16 and he's gone by 18, so, like... There was only one player yeah. in the Australian League I wanted Celtic to sign, which was... Um, and he's just ended up over here at Melbourne Victory from Perth. Um, there was that winger who was injured last year. I was just another mental blank. But, yeah, it's, um, there's not a lot. there's not a lot over here. There's... There's good young, um, there's some good young kids out there at like Melbourne City and um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He's a you know we've got uh, we've got Daniel Sturridge here in Perth. I, I went to the the first game another week and all the supporters were just like Sturridge, Sturridge. It was and look the guy just came off the plane. It was pretty bad. Like he came on and did a step over, had four touches, and I was like, yep, money well spent. Um, yeah, maybe maybe it'll come good, but not yet. All right, so we'll just jump on to the next thing. We'll just got to crack on a bit here. So, Scottish Cup draw. We're playing Aloha Athletic. Liam, mm. your, your thoughts on the draw and who their manager is? Who is their manager? <laughs> it's Barry Ferguson. Oh, right, okay, right, okay. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I um. It's a, a good scalping is is, is well due then, but um, no, the um, good good draw for us, um, good for good for Alloa. They'll probably hopefully get a few quid out of it. You like to see the wee teams benefit from these games. Um, they, they won't because it's in Alloa. Right, is there no an option of them switching it to like a bigger stadium or something? Oh, there is, yeah, but not, no. not there is, yeah, but will you? Probably not. Mm. Aye, because the thing is, those Scottish Cup ties, we usually, even if they're at Celtic Park, it's usually about fifteen thousand to a crowd or something. And so, because they don't, they don't put them on the season book anymore, do they? Mm, not usually. No. Um, no, it's just you know, it's another game we need to play. It's a game we need to win. I hope it's a game that we take seriously because the cup to me, is an important part of the season. So uh, let's make sure that we uh, we get the job done. My, my main question, Jared, is what day of the week is it? Would not have a clue. It's going to be a Sunday, isn't it? That's what I'm, that's oh, it's our first asking. game back after the break. I know that much. Uh, yeah, because the, the, our first game on the Sundays, our next Saturday game is supposed to be 29th of January. So I'm worried, nah, it's not been scheduled yet. 22nd so of Jan. Well, it's, it's not got a time set to it, so it's that's just a placeholder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we could be going up to 29th of Jan without any flipping Saturday games, which is a fucking nightmare over here. Um, mm. Can't have a drink. Yeah. Uh, five classes on a Monday. I could really could do without these late night Sunday games. <laughs> really could do without them. I know. All right, so next thing we just wanted to quickly talk about. So there was the talk earlier in the week. Gavin Strachan was offered the opportunity to become Hartlepool United manager. Um, mm. Apparently he rejected it. Now that ties into the next thing I wanted to discuss there, which was there's also... First of all, we'll talk about that. Gavin Strachan. Are you happy mm. him and the laptop are staying or do you think... Would you have cared if he left? What's your thoughts, Sean? Um... Mm. I have no, look, we've been playing well in the last few months and given how we played last year, I'm not going to give Strachan the credit for that 
but I can also uh, use it in mitigation of what happened last year. Because Strachan got a lot of the blame for what happened last year. And given how well we've been doing recently, it's like, well, maybe it wasn't Strachan's fault then. Um, I'm surprised that he chose to stay. If I'm a, a manager job at any level is surely something that you should be going for. But either way, he stayed. So... Yeah, I don't know why. Why? Why would he? Does he know something about Hartlepool? That like they're a basket case or something? Like not to do it. Um, honestly, I don't feel strongly. I don't feel happy that he stayed, but also, yeah, I don't think I'd been upset if he left. Pretty neutral on it, I think. You just don't really have a viewpoint because you would don't, wouldn't have cared either way. Let's be honest. There it is. <laughs> oh look, if 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 they'd been coming in in like May, I would have like got a flight over and driven him down to Hartlepool. But now I've I've raised my expectations and an appreciation of striking to a neutral level. I, I think though the fact that he's he's chosen to stay and obviously he's had discussions with the club and they've said they see a role for him long term. That means that Ange has obviously found a use for him. I'm still not sure exactly what he does with that laptop, but whatever it is, <laughs> clearly clearly Ange has found a use for it. So um, I think that's a good thing because if, you know, as the media were trying to suggest during the summer, and we don't know if it's true or not because we're not inside Celtic, um, you know, people were saying that Ange wasn't allowed to, to appoint his own staff. He was told he had to have Strachan um, and Kennedy as his backroom team. But, you know, if that were true, I think Ange would have said, well, if he wants to go to Hartlepool, get him out the door and I'll get the guy I want in. But this would suggest to me that Ange is quite happy to keep striking around. So obviously he's, he's found a use for him. Um, I, would I, I would say that the two of them are taking direction from Postacoglu and, and basically he's telling them what to do and they're doing it. He's the oh, boss I, at the end of the day and if they don't like it, you either get on board or you, or you get out the door. It's that simple. So... Yeah, I think um, more than anything, it's actually good to see, and don't hate me, I'm not a massive John Kennedy fan, but it's good to actually see him showing signs of life on the bench, like getting up and yelling out instructions to players, and they come off giving guys five, give them a hug, or, you know, celebrating goals and actually smiling. It's good to see that. Last year, it was just him sitting there just leering, all these little you know, looks out the side of the eyes and all these weird cameras, the body language experts come out. And it's good to see him back doing similar stuff that he used to do under Brendan Rodgers. I think there maybe there was a personality clash there with between him and Lennon. Who knows what goes on behind the scenes. But in terms of Strachan, when is his old man still doing some consultancy work for the club? No, he's finished now. It was a three-month thing. Okay, well, there, there goes that idea. I was going to say, you know, he went, he went and rung his old man and said, I've been offered this, are you going to look after me or am I going? Yeah, well, he'll know what his dad has recommended to the club. Yeah. So that, I'm sure that would have came into his thinking. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's, it's, good for, it's good that he's happy at Celtic and Celtic are happy with him, which shows that, both parties are headed in the right direction. I think that's just mm. all you can really conclude from it. So in the comments, you've got Peter Caliero has said, any chance of getting John Suter's younger brother, Harry, in the next window? Now, he just, yeah. he'd be great, out of our price range, and apparently I think he's been linked to Everton, if what I've heard is correct. So Can he just do his ACL? In the yeah, he's, he's, he's out for 12 months anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was being linked with Everton and then he knocked he's out for twelve months. So yeah, that we won't be getting him in this window anyway. Maybe no. Maybe at a later date. Yeah, now that he's an Australian international, he's getting but that yeah, that was how he how he got injured. Uh playing for Australia. So yeah. Yeah. now there's another comment here saying, Do you not listen to Ange when he speaks? He's happy with them, so leave it at that. Why create all the negativity that shouldn't exist? You must be struggling for topics. No, we're not struggling for topics, Facebook user. The reason we discussed that <laughs> is to tie into the next topic, which is John Hutchison has been has released at the end of his contract by Yokohama F. Marinos. 
at the end of this season. He was Ange's number two there before Ange come to Celtic. The reason we just discussed the other assistant coaches is because in the Australian media, we're seeing rumours of Hutchison being linked to coming into Celtic either this window or at the end of the season. So that's what that's why we've just discussed what we've done so we can come into this topic. So, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. Now, Liam, he was coaching in Japan. What what do you know of the guy? Um, not much, I'll be honest, because obviously I think Kevin Muscat is the manager at Yokohama now. Yeah. And he, you know, Yokohama have not done particularly well since Ange left. They've, they've um, you know, they've become a kind of, and also ran in terms of challenging for the league. I mean, Kawasaki absolutely ran away with it this season. They were they were on top of everything. But um, the uh, yeah, the it's, it's it depends on which which newspaper you read over here. Either you know they decided he he decided not to not to continue there, or he was released from his contract. I.e., he was fired. So I'm not really sure which. Well, I've got which one to go I've got with. something right here in front of me, Liam, that says. It'll be interesting to see what move Hutchison makes as his contract won't be renewed by by Marina's next season under the manager Kevin Musket. So it looks like Muskie has gone. Yeah, let's um, you can go because I know those two didn't get along over here in the A League. All right, Muskie okay. was Musket was involved at Melbourne Victory. Hutchison was at Central Coast Mariners under Graham Arnold. There was those two were both hard bastards on the pitch, and they didn't really get along. They kick lumps out of each other. So, ah, that, right, okay. So there's right. that, there's that whole side there. of it there. But, yeah, I'm just putting two together, two and two together. You know, Ange just said he's looking for more appointments and bringing more people in. It makes it makes a lot of sense. And Hutchison's got the family background over in Scotland as well. So, mm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the rumours and everything we're seeing over here are true, if he goes used to be at Seattle Sounders in the MLS as well as a as an assistant coach and assistant manager there. So he's got some experience. It'll be good to, for Ange to have, you know, someone that he's got that relationship with over in, in Glasgow, but I think he's doing well enough without it. Yeah, I think the, the biggest vacancy would be in someone in a kind of director role and also escape from what, my understanding is the scouting department's still pretty thin, which is surprising because the latest rumour I heard is we're looking at someone in Iran or something like that. I'm not sure. But we've been linked with Japanese, Brazilians, Iran, Iranian players. We're still signing players from the Dudu Dada in Israel. But for, by all accounts, we're pretty thin on the, the ground in the scouting department. Um, we only signed one sports scientist uh, to replace one that left. I feel like that department could do beefing up. So... Mm. Do you demote uh, John Kennedy if you're bringing in Hutchison? Or do you bring in Hutchison as a director of football? What do you do with the rumours with the, um, the old back to the Brendan Rodgers thing where the talk was they were going to put Kennedy as director of football with Rodgers there? Do they look at that path again? Now that you've got yeah. a now you've got a Lawwell Patsy in as the interim CEO, yeah. do you put him so in? Do you put... Kennedy in there, and do you bring in Hutchison as assistant manager? Yeah, or performance director, or whatever they call it in Manchester United these days. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'd have to be careful with that though, because it could create the perception that somehow whoever becomes that person would then outrank Ange, and Ange is the main man. And I think it needs to be abundantly clear that he calls the shots. He's, it seems like the sort of guy who doesn't. You know, he runs his team his way and doesn't really entertain the idea of like other people telling him how he should do his job. And quite rightly so, I think that's the best way to run a football team. Um, so I don't see someone who was once his number two coming in and becoming director of football, which in a club hierarchy standpoint would possibly place him above Ange. I don't think it necessarily does. Like, when you think about who was our last... Was it Jock Brown? What was his role? Was it director of football? Was it... No, he was... um manage, Managing uh, director, that's what it was. Managing director. Aye, aye, aye. Um, and nobody saw him as having a higher rank than um, uh, the managers who were the head coaches or whatever you call it. 
except, I, I Jock, except Jock Brown, maybe he probably did. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I think as long as you have a compartmentalization of duties, I think it's fine. Uh, it can work. You just need to be very clear uh, in mm-hmm. advance. Yeah, hundred percent. So we've got uh, the game against Dundee United. What's mm. it tomorrow? So, Liam, what are you hoping to see from the game? What starting lineup do you think we'll see? Um, I hope that we, uh, well, first of all, I hope we win um, because I think you know we saw that they gave a. Uh, they gave the old uh, forces of darkness a tough game up there earlier in the season, so well, they beat them. Ah, that's what I mean. So it's not an easy place to go. Um, but I think uh, I think it could be the same as the Hearts game. I think it could be one or two nil to to Celtic. I think we'll edge it, um, but it will be a it will be a tricky one. Um, I hope, actually, I hope that we can um, get ahead in the game quite early and maybe take Kyogo off after an hour or so, because he's looking a wee bit tired lately. And, you know, hopefully if we can bring in more forwards in January, we can look at resting him for a game or two. Because what you've got to remember as well is we're, we're getting to the point now where he played two-thirds of the season in Japan, then played for us. So he's basically been playing football non-stop since, since February. You know, and... That's you know that's going to take a toll at some point. Even someone who's got as much energy as he has. Yeah, so realistically, he'd be coming to the end of his season, as you're saying there, Liam. So we've Aye. got to we've got to rotate. And does that mean bringing in Maeda will give us options? Yes. Does that mean we're going to see Jack and Macus? Hopefully. So mm. there's going to be options there, but yeah, for the game against Dundee United, I think injuries are going to stretch stretch our depth. So. Realistically, what I'd love to see, do the old, I've mentioned him a few times, let's go back to the invincible treble season, let's get out there and just get two or three goals up in the first 30 minutes, and then greater cruise control the rest of the way. Ideally, that would be you. perfect world. Yeah, I think you're being very ambitious there, Jared. But, um, hey, I've got to be positive. <laughs> Yeah, like, <laughs> I want orders from Facebook user to only be positive. Apparently, <laughs> we, we do want one Japan shirt, not a blue shirt. I'll just make that clear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we drew one-one with them at Celtic Park. Um, they've got what the second-best defensive record in the league. They they only lost the Motherwell the other night because of that twenty-watt worldie of a goal. Uh, they've just appointed their centre back as their new club captain. They're you know they're really. identity built around their defense you know and they also get goals at set pieces which is not which is probably our weakest area of defending i'd be very happy with a one each but i can see this being a a banana skin i said they've impressed me every time i've seen them this season dundee united to be fair same Um, yeah i I still think we'll win but but like i say i think it'll be another tight one i'm thinking two nil or three one like ideally i'd love for us to get those three early goals and just cruise but um i don't I don't know. I think it'll be a two-goal margin. We'll, we'll get it, but I think we'll, we'll grab ever, one early and we'll grab one late to get the margin. Yeah, We'll never do that at Pataudry, really, with the, with the early goals. Yeah, of course. Or Easter Road. But then we don't do it at Dundee. Or, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm hoping hoping it's a good game because, it's like as you say, they've, oh, they're, they are really backs to the wall. Not, not, they're not backs to the wall, but they're really... A, a tough team, a tough team to break down and, and they are full of gainsmanship as well they will slow the game down they will, what's, his, what's your man's name in centre mid, he always goes down easy um, for, I forgot his name Pollitt, Peter Pollitt, watch watch out mm. for him diving, I guarantee you, he's going to go down when at least four or five fouls from going down easy Is that the guy who goes out and assaults people in, in Glasgow and gets get, gets arrested allegedly or is that or is that the guy who goes I'm swimming sure. with uh, Mackay Stevens? Uh, no. Was that not Patton? I'm not sure. I'm no, not it was sure Patton. There you go. See, I'm I'm not quite there. Yeah. All right. So what we'll do is we'll start to wrap up the um the pod. Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you can, please give a give a donation to the link beneath here for St Mary's. It's a really valuable cause and something close to Celtic's heart, considering the history with the club. So, final thoughts, Liam. 
Final thoughts. Um, yeah, look, first of all, um, thanks to Axum for arranging this. And everybody, if you've got a couple of quid, however small it might be, please just chuck it in the pot. You know, St Mary's is a great cause to support. One that is integral to the history of Celtic in which the club themselves should be doing more to support. Um, secondly, I would just like to, uh, to uh, thank everybody who's uh, been in touch in the last couple of weeks. I got married a couple of weeks ago and messages of support literally from all over the world for me and my, my wife. So uh, she doesn't do the social media thing. So on her behalf, I'd like to say thanks everybody for uh, all your uh, your kind words in the last couple of weeks. Much appreciated. Yep, just a quick shout out to John. Uh, and Oh, sorry, congratulations, Liam, while we're on it. But yeah, a quick shout out to John, who's uh, over in Scotland, uh, can't be with us tonight, who's uh, visiting Scotland for a family bereavement and has also contracted COVID while he's there, I believe. Uh, he's quite poorly at the moment, so couldn't join us tonight. But uh, yep, hope you're okay, John. How, how, guys? Right. Get well soon, John. Hey, Leo.